This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, Senior Israel Educator at JU Israel, here with Matt Lippman, our producer and Israel Educator. How's it going, Matt? It's going very well. Thank you, Michael. Also here with... Well, Rena's here, which is unusual. Rena is our program director, program manager. Say hi, Rena. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being had. And here, running late because he's running from thing to thing, is co-host Alan Goldman. Say hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. Alan, it sounds like you have a bit of a cold. Why does your voice sound funny? We're in we're in Ben's studio. The sound quality should be amazing. No, it's just I'm in the car. I'll be there in a few minutes. Oh, it's because you're in the car. Okay, that makes more sense than what I thought. So we're going to start, uh, we're going to get started. And I know that we promised a three-part history series, but we mentioned that uh, current events may overtake. And while there hasn't been like a, a, a current events crisis, we do think that uh, we've we've let current events slide a little bit too much. We want to catch up on stories before they disappear. And that means in particular two stories. Uh, one of them is uh, a person being held at the the uh, at the at Ben Gurion Airport, and the other is the constantly simmering conflict at the Gaza border, which at some point will presumably boil over. So uh, let's and we want to unpack it a little bit. We think that listeners should be aware of these things because. They are impactful, and as is our mission, we want to give you insight behind the headlines into things that Israelis are talking about, so that you feel connected to what's going on in Israel. Let's start with Israeli airport, uh, let's call it etiquette, for people coming and visiting Israel. Now, there is a law in Israel that says that if you are an anti-Israel person, the state of Israel doesn't have to let you in, meaning if you're an open BDS person who's actively pursuing damaging Israel, the Israeli government doesn't have to let you into the country. Can one of you guys play Alan for this part and sort of give us a recap of what's going on in this story? Or even both of you guys? I think we can work together as a team. Mm -hmm. Okay, go. Um, so there was a student from uh, Florida named by Lara Alkassam. She is an American student from Florida, University of Florida. She applied to come to study in Israel at the Hebrew University on a year program uh, with a concentration in human rights. Um, she applied for a student visa. She was accepted. Uh, her student visa, well, she was given the student visa. She landed at Ben Gurion Airport uh, to come and study for the year at Hebrew University, at which point she was told that she was not going to be allowed into the country because she had a history of anti-Israel activity. Um, and there was a big debate about to what extent her history, her past, uh, that act, how active her activity was. Um, and they're trying to figure that out. But basically, it turns out she was the head of one of the campus organizations at the University of Florida that promotes BDS. Um, and the Students for Justice in Palestine? Mm -hmm. I believe that, that was... She was yeah. I believe she was the president of her local chapter for like for the three years that she was in university. And she was also a member of the national board, I think. So she on campus raised anti-Israel, what we would think of as anti-Israel awareness, because it's calling for... Israel to not be there. Yeah. Yes. And it, and it campaigns for BDS. What she claimed was that the level of her involvement in this organization was much smaller than was being, that was being said about her by the Israeli authorities. 
Um, the Israeli authorities did some investigations, found uh, some of her social media past had been uh, deleted, uh, which they claim is proof that she must have been much more involved than she claimed she was. So there's all this back and forth going as as with every news story that we bring you, there's more than one side to the story. Um, but she is currently still um, being detained at the airport. She was offered the opportunity to go back to the United States. She refused. She said, what are you talking about? I've got a visa. I want to come and complete my study program that, that I had been accepted to. Um, and so now we're at an impasse. While she waits, There's been it's gone through various uh, court systems. We're now waiting for ruling from the Supreme Court. Um, and in the meantime, she is literally like a mediocre Tom Hanks movie sitting stuck at the airport. <laughs> But without being able to go around That's to a great the f- movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> She's probably racked up quite a bill at the aroma there, I'm guessing. But I don't know if she, is she allowed to wander around the airport? No, I, don't I don't think so. I, I think I she's really so. in detention. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's worse than... than I don't know if, they can, if the Israeli government um, would use the word detain because that would mean that she's like not allowed to leave. It's not, not a criminal. She's allowed to go back right. to the U.S. She right. just is choosing not to. Right. She doesn't. Ha- she doesn't have to stay. In- it's. A, it, it's. It's a little bit eagle song. But to leave, <laughs> you can check out any time you want. You just can't leave right. the airport and go into Israel. But but all you can do is wander around. I think in a holding room. Mm-hmm. Even be- though it's not. She's not. There's no criminal detention. But she can't. She's not free to wander the airport. She's right. stuck in this room. Right. And there's no trial or anything because as such. Cause there's no crime. She hasn't done anything wrong. Um, other than... Now, let's assume for conversation's sake, just for clarity, that as the head of an SJP branch, she openly and vocally said bad things about Israel and promoted anti-Israel, not just criticizing the Israeli government, but think, but let's say she, let's say, let's do the max. On college campus, she was an activist who said that Israel should be completely Palestine. It should be one state run by an Arab majority. Let's say that was her public position. Mm-hmm. Are we comfortable with the government of Israel saying, because we find your political... and Because we find your political speech objectionable, we don't want you coming into our country. Are we comfortable with that as citizens of I'm, Israel? I'm asking it in, in a sort of teachery way because I think from the way I'm asking <laughs> the question... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a person, anyone who believes in democracy finds this extremely troubling. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's put aside now the public relations aspect, which is that in world media now, this dumb little thing that nobody would have known. I I, I don't, what's her name? I can't remember. Lara Al-Qasim. I just keep calling her airport lady and Matt keeps laughing in my face and (laughs) rightfully so. Uh, If Lara? I would say Lara. You would probably say Lara. Lara. Okay. All right, let's let's you know what Ms. Al Qasem. I'll try to do in the middle and just call her airport lady. Okay. If airport lady, uh, oh, here's Alan. How's it going, Alan? Welcome. Oh, welcome. It's great to be here, Mike. You sound a lot better when you're here physically. Yeah, it's preferable than in the car. In some ways, you know. But let's be honest. In other ways, it was kind of nice not having yeah, you here. Yeah, so. I, I can I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but we were just discussing the case of Lara, 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 Al-Qasem, airport lady. I think anyone who cares about democracy and believes in uh, government having, uh, and without getting into libertarian issues, but just somebody who believes in liberal democracy, doesn't like government interfering with people's political speech. This isn't a person who actively sought to hurt physically anybody. She's spoken in ways that the Israeli government leaders find objectionable. Not all Israeli uh, MKs say things like she says, but they don't want to let her in the country and honor her 
visa. I, I That's think, extremely problematic. I absolutely agree. And one of the things I want to point out to our listeners, and we, uh, some of us discussed this the other day, um, is Israel has a government minister, Gilad Erdan, and his title is Minister of Public Security, Strategic Affairs, and Minister of Information. And we felt that that title sounded very kind of like a bit scary. Like almost, well, it's a little on the nose if you know George Orwell. I mean, well, that's exactly the point, right? Yeah. It sounds very 1984. It sounds very kind of what's coming from a totalitarian regime. We're not going to tolerate free speech. We're not going to tolerate debate. So, um, so I want scary thing. So if I can jump in here, which I, I just literally jumped in, um, and play devil's advocate a little bit and push back on this. Um, uh, in the sense that, first of all, we're not talking about a citizen of the country. So there's differences between citizens and non-citizens in terms of people coming in, in terms of the discourse, I think. She doesn't have um, a citizen's right. right. She, has she has a, a visa. Right. She has an active visa, which she, means she visa has a right, right to visit. And which, and which the government can revoke at any point. If the government enough. finds someone to be threatening. Right. So on I the one just, hand, Just, just to I point something out, her grandparents are of Palestinian descent. I don't know what correct, their exact I, status is, but... Yeah, that's correct. Let's, assume, so, let's so, assume she's so a Palestinian. Yeah, but she's not a she doesn't have citizenship here. Right. And it's true that she has not done um, physical violence or at all been connected to any kind of support of terrorism or anything. She's not. But um, a government, I think, can define that there are things that are threatening to a government that are not violent violent violence, such as uh, political speech that uproots the very nature of the country. And I think that that's what this whole law, which it wasn't actually even necessary because governments can decide who can come in anyway in terms of visas, um, in terms of BDS was about, about not letting people support BDS because Israel, now whether we agree in terms of tactically or not, Israel sees that's BDS. A different question. That's a different question. I'm the saying. tactical question okay, in terms right. of the black eye Israel's getting from yeah, yeah. the so international media from this. She, they don't want to let her in because she's one of the people who makes Israel look bad. She never would have had a megaphone like she right, has Right, now. so I'm not talking about tactical. I'm Put talking, aside the I'm tactical talking the, the, the fundamental ideas of BDS, the government, and I, I agree with this, sees this as a threat against the legitimate rights of the state of Israel to exist. It's attack on the legitimacy of Israel to exist. So we're yeah, 100% not violent, but the, the, very, the very essence of it is. Um, and so I think in, in that guise, the, th that's where it's coming from. In fact, you're not, they're not saying a citizen here can't come in and do that. Um, uh, they're saying someone who's, who's not part of here. We don't want, uh, I'll say in a very like, you know, streetwise, we don't want rabble rousers here. Why should we give rabble rousers the, the freedom to move around, take pictures and distort and, and Again, use it against I, I'm us? Willing that's to, right. Uh, let's, let's, for the sake of this conversation, assume the maximum charges against her, if you want to call it that. Let's assume she is coming to study for a year in Hebrew University to Correct. learn, to have first-hand experience to, so that when she defames Israel in the future, she'll do it with a sense of knowledge and authority. Correct. Yeah, but also I, how I think I think it is. Uh, it is. I, I am troubled by the fact that Israel has no Bill of Rights. I am troubled by the fact that Israel. But would a Bill of Rights cover a foreigner? Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, because these uh, are values. Yeah, because these aren't only right. Look, no, a foreigner, or someone. I'm out of my league in terms of legal things and stuff. But imagine if someone coming into the United States is a foreigner who I don't know, promotes communism and uh, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever, on can a legal be deported. Visa. On a legal visa, could be deported. Could visa he? could be re revoked and deported. The government, legitimately, legally, I, I believe so. But again, I I'm doubt not it. Gonna, I uh, doubt it. I doubt it. And if it is, uh, then I would. I think that law in the United States would be wrong. In other words, no governments don't need a particular law for that thing. Governments can decide who is. I don't believe not, right? that the right to speech 
is invested in every... Okay, I'm a Jeffersonian. So, but, I don't believe that that right to speech is there because as a citizen, you deserve it. Oh, so I believe that all question. humans are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights and that this is a human thing and that for governments to work, they must proceed from the assumption that their power only exists to serve the people. And therefore, they should not ever be calling balls and strikes about political language of other human beings. Do your job well. And humans should be able to criticize governments as much as they want. Every human should be able to say your government is a piece of garbage. And and not Oh, but again, that's again, you're going. You're saying everybody should be able to say your government is a piece of garbage. But this is not her government. This is not hers. That's that's the point. You should be able to say your government, not my government. In that country. Go to that country. I should be able to say, yeah, I should be able to visit. I should be able to visit the UK and say UK, the the Queen's uh, a jerk. And the UK shouldn't be able to do that. Come on, you can't go that far. That's actually treason. (laughs) You can get behe- you can still get beheaded for that. Well, I can't because I'm not a British citizen. I think you would still get beheaded. In well, Tower treason of definitionally is when you right. betray your. Okay, so if I do it, oh, that's actually is an interesting point, there, right? I mean, again, about we know there are there are borders to free speech, correct? Yeah. yeah. So where do the borders extend? You're saying the borders should not be separate between a citizen and a visitor. I am making that argument that, that's A and B. Right? Speech so, should only be curtailed. That's step one in my yeah. argument. And step two in my argument, speech should only be compared, uh, curtailed by government if it's actually threatening physical harm to other people in the so, very near future, a clear and present danger. Right. So, uh, so uh, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> On the flip side of all that, um, Matthew mentioned this minister of strategic affairs, Gilad Erdan, um, who said that they would the department would review her case if she um, uh, renounced her statements, her BDS statements, um, which like, OK, that's all free speech. But to what extent, like just because she takes it back because she wants entry into the country, who's to stop her from a- acting on those previous you know, views and claims about Israel and and Palestinian conflict and all that. So even if they grant her that, you know, that That to me sounds like a government official who realizes they messed up public relations wise and is looking for a fig leaf to get out of the situation. Right. And it shows you that they don't really believe that this law is of value and that implementing it here really matters. Because if they really considered her a danger, her clearly lying to their faces to be able to come in and study Hebrew University if you're willing to have her lie to you and then let her in, then you don't really consider her a real threat. Right. I think the other point that I'd like to raise as well, something that Michael said before, is there are members of Knesset that share the views that yeah. she has expressed. And yet they still are in a position of being able to express those freely because they're members of Knesset. So it, it, it just the whole thing just seems weird. Like, why do they have the right? She doesn't have the right. Well, Alan's saying because she's not I'm, a citizen. I'm saying because right? she's not a citizen. But, I, I do want to push back on that a little bit more because I think that it's not so clear cut. I think it sounds um, maybe the- on a theoretical or an academic level in, in this room or in a classroom. But when we think about the difficult position that Israel's in strategically in the world that we all know, we all agree um, – that's hard. Just like America in the in the in the nineteen forties did drastic things. Some we believe in, don't believe in, in terms of Japanese in America. I'm not saying that there was good, and that's. A, but I'm saying that like right, I think those are countries, always wrong. I think those. So are, I, I think that the right. So I guess I'm saying I'm not so sure that there's a black and white, always wrong, always right. I think, I think it's always wrong. Careful. I think it's always wrong, and mm-hmm. I think that you lose the moral high ground. In other words, let's say she came study for a year in Hebrew University, right? Collected all this evidence, quote unquote, against Israel, went around the world defaming Israel. And Israelis said, 
Yeah, she spent a year studying in Hebrew University right, on that, our visa, and now she's saying we're terrible. Okay, show me another country in the Middle East where you can do that, and then right. come and tell me that Israel's an apartheid. The, the whole so boycott issue. tactic, that, though, right? No, but no, it's but not. Tactic it's more than that because the I whole thing. Saying, she's against a boycott. Uh, she's in favor of a boycott. She herself is trying. Apparently, she's in favor of a boycott. Um, she, in, if, if she's so true, it does not. Well, so she's in BDS. She is, I would say that she's in favor of boycott. No, she has. She, from what I understand of the situation, she has renounced. BDS, but would not say it's an illegitimate political okay. tool. Besides That's that, what I but think she I herself is still involved. I mean, she, she can't, be, she can't be for boycott. boycott. She's well, coming to study here. Exactly. That's so my point. So, so it's clear she's, she's not for boycott. So she's, right. So she herself is coming to study and to learn whatever her motivation is. She's still coming to be in Israel. It's not like she's coming in Israel to go on hunger strike outside settlement X or settlement Y. She's coming because she wants to learn what she wants to learn and why she wants to learn it. Beseda, that's up to her. Maybe it'll change her mind. Maybe it won't change her mind. I, I, what I'm arguing is I don't believe in the separation ultimately between tactics and values. I think you do oh, well when you do good. And when you do the right thing, then ultimately you will achieve the best results, especially if you're talking about something as vague as public relations issues. You're saying, oh, there's so much damaging things about us because people are saying mean things about us around the world. With all due respect to that Who, arch fear. That, I'm saying. No, I'm, say, I'm saying what's that. The, what terrible position is Israel in? Israel is the economic, military, and cultural superpower of the Middle East. It is the yeah. 11th most powerful yeah, military we're on also Earth. Involved it's the in a 32nd lot of, yeah. most powerful economy on Earth. Right, okay. So there, there's tiny all little the good, those are all what, the what, good sides. Who's those on the good sides. On the bad sides, we have uh, a, a, an intensely growing anti-Israel campaign uh, in, how's in democracies. Going? How's that, how's that going, at, look, the anti-Israel campaign? Well, it looks like the the potential new head of England will be uh, a, a party to that. So Could be. Again, I'm saying I don't think... No, no, but I'm, I'm asking... You know, a, so I mean, Lord, so, Lord so canceled her... Comp, so, so we're talking comp, about... Right, we all freaked out because Lord... Oh, I don't care about Lord, but... but well, Lionel Messi we're was much down. bigger news when Messi look, canceled. Years, you have to look 10 years, down the, 10, 10 years down the road, right? The Democratic Party, you see what's happening in the Democratic Party now. There's a lot of pushback going forth and that. Where is the Democratic Party holding on Israel? So you're right, right now... We may be in a very in a, in a no, very good a, position. So in you're arguing five, 10, that the way to years. win back the Democratic Party in the United States is tactics. shutting down free speech of no, students who come to no, study in Israeli universities. Or no, I'm not arguing tactics. I think you're you're, you're taking it. Straight. What I'm saying is, I think we have to. I think that there is where to not make it so black and white, and that there are citizens. There, there, there's a distinction between a person who's a citizen in a country and a person who's coming in the country as a guest. And you're going in the country as a guest to spit in their face, right? I think you have to think about that. That's I, what I'm saying. I, that's I, how I feel about those members of Knesset that make outrageous statements as well. Correct. So I don't Correct. think that about ever. I think that's what you do in a democracy. Well, you let somebody spit in your face. Well, so I think okay. the question is, so where is the line? And I think that comes down right. to this whole question of, of this airport lady, as, as Michael calls her. Where, where is the line? Like the example I give to my students when we're talking about Israel being a democracy, I say to them, I could go stand on the street corner and yell out, Bibi Netanyahu is a poopy head. Right. I can. Yeah, that's my that's my go-to example. And of, I'm not going to get arrested for doing that. I'm not right. going to disappear. The government has no power to stop you from doing that because the government doesn't hold the people hold the power. That's but the definition of democracy. Once you start bringing in this idea of well, this could be seen as uh, as attacking Israel or did it, like where is that line? What? No, but that, that's exactly the issue to me. I'm not worried about the line. I'm worried about assume the government has zero power to stop people's speech ever, ever, ever. 
now if the government interferes with speech, there had better be something so present danger. Such a clear and present right? danger. So the government had no that? choice but to violate that rule because its number one directive is to protect the life. Well, you see, you have good discussions. Fought, right, to fire in a in a movie theater. Right, you can't scream fire. When That's the stopped, United States right? Supreme Court example right. when they arrested right. people for stopping people. Uh, for enlisting to fight in World War One, by stopping Americans to go fight World War One, you're endangering the lives of American citizens. Right. Okay, so that that's how the Supreme Court of the United States. Right. So I'm just saying, there's the clear and present danger is decided by different courts in different ways. That's yeah. I, I don't think well, there's any means. That's mean it. Large. If it's different courts in different ways. Well, Israel's you enacted a law. You well, don't Israel's have a red line. There's no red line. Well, the red line in Israel, they have enacted a law, and this is a law. So the the lower court in Tel Aviv came along and said this fits within the law that was enacted. And there's a law in the government because we don't like that law. Now it's being challenged in the Supreme Court. Okay. The Supreme Court may come back and say, this is, an, this is not a legitimate law. But in time, there is a law in Israel that says this. I think that you that don't mean, fight the speech. You fight If somebody uses a tactic, when, when, when America in the early 20th century, I mean, we forget about this. There were, there were terrorist bombs. I mean, our, uh, there were uh, anarchists who blew up the stock exchange. In New York City. I mean, yeah. there was real violence. Yeah. You stop criminals. But that doesn't mean you arrest Sacco and Vanzetti because they're anarchists when they didn't co necessarily commit a crime. You don't violate the principles and values that you founded your state on. Emma Goldman assassination in Chicago. Okay. I mean, th th there's American history <laughs> yeah. of movements being persecuted, the McCarthy era, movements and people yeah. who speak being persecuted for their political beliefs. In retrospect, those all seem odious. And then in real time, you say, yeah, but there's an actual danger. That's what they were saying in the 50s during McCarthy. That's what they were saying during the Alien Sedition Acts in, in you know, in, in around World War I. That's, that's, that's what happens. You always look back. That's what happens when we read the Bible and we see the prophets yelling at, and we go, oh, those are terrible people. And without ever realizing, no, 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 you have to worry about your values in real time. And that's when you look to the world and say, okay, you want to accuse us of being a terrible apartheid? Okay, this person who studied and got her degree at Hebrew University will now explain her experience. Let's let's talk about your experience at Hebrew University. So, and I think I think we're I think uh, we're not so far apart. I think we're, the question that we're really dealing with is where do you draw the line? Yeah, and uh, you're you're you never draw the line really unless there's a clear and present danger, which we. I'm saying there's no line, and yeah. except there clear are exceptions, but, but there's no line. But you still haven't right. defined clear and present but danger. Let's, Right, Either. but I think we, I think let's, I think we should move on to okay. something that we all agree is a clear and present danger, which is Gaza. <laughs> yeah, that's a clear and present danger. <laughs> that is very that's, clear uh, and present to and me, dangerous. That's, uh, it, it's, so uh, why is this? Why is this more of a story and a concern uh, uh, now, as opposed to in general? We all know that the troops at the border in Gaza have their hands full. What's going on now that this is a actual simmering big story? I, I just want to give the the backstory behind the backstory behind the headlines is every week we discuss, should we be talking about Gaza this week? And every week we say, well, let's wait till it progresses a little bit more. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And now we've decided this week is the time to, to introduce I, that. I think most people who follow Israeli news from abroad aren't paying, aren't realizing they knew there was a big right. thing this summer. And now they just think it's basic maintenance at the border. It is not. No. So it's not basic maintenance at the border at all. And it's not only our listeners in America. It's many people in Israel. Just a quick anecdote is I was walking back from Shul with uh, my neighbor last week, and he asked me how my son is, and my son is uh, a sergeant in a machlaka, which is 30 guys 
on the Gaza border for the last four months. God willing, this Thursday they switch out um, for, for the last four months he's been there. And I started explaining to him the things, you know, like what's going on there. And it was like, wow, he didn't even pay attention to it. Right. So I'm a few days later. He said, I started looking. He says, oh, my God. I, like it's, it's in the news. in the news. But nobody's really reading yep. it. Um, at Lahavdu mean Elif of Dallas. That's what happened during the show. I'm meaning you go back and look that at old newspapers. So much right? oh, sorry, <laughs> uh, right? Not to compare it, but you go back to the papers in the 1940s and you see that everything was pretty much was much reported about what was going on in World War II to the Jews in Germany, this and that. But people aren't reading it because well, the, pro- the head it's, of it's the, the frog in the boiling water yeah. thing. If you drop the frog in the right, boiling exactly. water, it'll jump out. But if you raise it degree by degree, you stop noticing. Exactly. So this week, I think the reason why we chose this week, one reason was on on Sunday. Um, both the Prime Minister and Defense Minister, Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Defense Minister Lieberman, both, both came out with statements basically saying we're, we need to go into Gaza to you know, bring quiet for the next four or five years. Gaza, it's very yeah. bad. We're, we're looking at a big, uh, a, a big Gaza movement. When Lieberman was asked about, does that mean ground troops? He says, I'm not asking about tactical, but the sense was we were talking about something very big. They went to the security cabinet. The security cabinet said, okay, let's wait to see if... Hamas reacts to your to your pronouncements and, and cools things down. Why? But it's very unlikely what's they happening? will. Exactly. It's very unlikely they will because what's been happening is basically Israel and Hamas through third parties have been trying to come to some agreement, which has fallen apart. Hamas and Palestinian and Palestinian Authority have completely fallen apart in terms of their negotiations to try and bring some together. And in Gaza, things are very difficult. They have very little uh, electricity. We know the employment. And so what's happening is um, on Fridays, because it started back in March, kind of as a prequel to the move of the embassy, they started the March for Rights, meaning rights to get their land back, rights of return, as we talked about often about refugees' rights return. They started marching to the fence. And that's more or less kept up every Friday since then. Some you talk, some Fridays you're talking about one, 2,000 people, but in the last weeks, again, as things have gotten worse, we're talking about 10, 15, 20,000 people. Um, uh, tens, if not hundreds of um, explosive projectiles as grenades, grenades or bombs. IEDs, right? Bombs. They blew a hole in the fence. Oh, so that's that, that was what happened last Friday. But even in addition to that, yeah. throwing over the fence at the Chayalim there, um, grenades, sorry, soldiers there, um, sniper fire, um, rocks, of course. And what my son complains about it most is the is the smoke because they're burning the tires and burning and the smoke that's going into their lungs is just really almost unbearable. Then, of course, we have the, the new tactic, which is the balloons, which are being sent over with incendiary devices. So when they land, they burn, they burn, they start fires. And it sounds like, oh, balloons and fires. And I saw a picture of one this morning that just they got yesterday. Nice, happy birthday balloons. Yep. On the on the maybe we put a picture of it on right on the an incendiary we don't have device. To put a picture on it anymore, but oh yeah, sorry, incendiary device. And around it was like a picture of Al Aqsa Mask or the Dome of the Rock. I can't remember now exactly. I think Dome of the Rock. And by the way, those are appearing around the country now. They're yeah, not yes. just in the Gaza. And, border. But what happens is it's not just like a, it's not just a fire. You're talking about since the march, seven thousand acres in the south have been burnt mm-hmm. of most farmland. That's huge effects. There's millions and millions of dollars of damage on uh, on the farmland. And then, as Mike said, that one of the most serious incidents really happened this last Friday was not only did they rush the fence, but this that's what often they rush the fence between Israel and Gaza, but they actually blew up a piece of the fence and rushed through the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, and three three Palestinian terrorists were were killed. Well, at that point, soldiers are allowed to use lethal force. Right. On the other side of the border... They're definitely... If, if, if soldiers believe that they are under, um, you know, 
you know, uh, danger. Like of, if people are running at them with pe- knives. Guns or knives yeah. or they're going over fences, they're, they're allowed. But until the, they use lethal force, is a very long chain. Every single time a soldier fires, it basically has to be approved by a fairly high-level commander. Um, so mostly they're using tear gas and, and riot control stuff that they shoot over the fence. Um, and it's just, it's just really crazy, really crazy um, as a parent. It's a very wow, different yeah, perspective. That's a whole other level. It's a right. whole different perspective because now, so when you read the when you read the papers, now you're not only thinking of the political and the and the people and this and that. You're thinking of your, of course, your own child and and his responsibilities there. But in general, we're sort of used to the Gaza border being a hostile, tense border. It is now an active combat zone. Yeah, it's a total combat zone. I mean, yeah, we have active combat going on yeah. every day, yes. certainly every week on the Gaza border. Now, my uh, almost question, every day, even last again last yeah. night. Last yeah. night there was over a thousand people on the border, to, uh, you know, rioting. What my 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 biggest, um, I don't know what the word is, but uh, teak with this is that especially in the in in the spring when we talk and we've talked about it before is how how do you frame those rioters right because many of them are are officially Hamas members but many of many of them are not but the moment that they are taking part in violent right riots that are uh, that are, the whole point is to break through the fence then they have to be seen i think as combatants right I think they have to be seen as combatants. I'm not saying you should, we should wholesale fire, use live fire. I think well, the rules not. of engagement for combatants are also if they're not. Right. The, the, if the, you have to take into consideration what they're using to combat. But someone holding a rock is clearly not the same as someone holding a, a gun. Right. But you can't see them as, as peaceful protesters, which is how many. That's always been a false. Thing, right? That, yeah. That's a, a completely false. You have to see them as combatants. My, my Well, even combatants, in, if they're uh, not. Yeah, it's complicated. I mean, it's complicated because there's no army. There's no right. real official army. Right. So. right. And then is throwing a rock lethal? I mean, it could be, but. It, it, this is always right. a problem with asymmetrical warfare. Exactly. It's very hard to take the classic rules and laws of warfare and apply it in these situations. The distinctions become very blurred. And so there is reasonable arguments about ethical lines that the army is drawing. But I think it's reasonable to say that the Israeli army is drawing lines that are making Israeli parents uncomfortable because they're they're very cautious about using lethal force. Correct. Correct. I mean, which, they're not there, which, which they should be. Right. Which creates the legal problem, the, the ethical problem of are you endangering your own soldiers? That's an ethical problem. The other ethical side is many of these are teenagers who are not in school or young adults who who have, their unemployment rate in Gaza for young adults is like. Oh, it's through the roof. It's through the roof. And for uh, across the board, it's forty eight percent. It's even higher for you're talking it's about like young 60 adults. Sixty something. something ridiculous. Ridiculous. I don't remember exactly. So these they un- only have four hours a day of electricity when they're getting fuel into Gaza. Yeah, my question so. is why is Hamas allowing this to happen if not actively promoting it? Like, what do they hope to gain from it? No, they're actively promoting it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I well, mean, tactically, what is this going to do to Israel? Some people just want to see the world burn. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Um, Look, I think it also pushes their their story back to the. It's funny because we're talking about people aren't really paying attention to it, but it definitely pushes the story back to the front pages. It pushes the plight back to Does the it? front pages. It should do eventually. And let's say Israel goes in even more heavy handedly than for sure it will. We've seen that in the past. We see that several times in the past. That when Israel goes in with much more force, then it gets on the newspaper. It's interesting because pages. the rocket attacks brought Israeli counter counterattack full force, which definitely gave Israel a public relations loss. 
And they've stopped that tactic because they couldn't withstand the damage to Gaza. In other words, they're certainly willing to lose a certain amount of their own civilians' lives. That that is a, that was considered a worthwhile sacrifice if we could make Israel look bad in the media. But they drew a close to it, I think, because they were afraid to be overthrown. At a certain point, the majority of the Arabs living in Gaza and the West Bank also said, you got to cut it out with the rockets. We're, it's just not achieving right. enough to make it worth. So now they've moved to a new set of tactics, so, which is young people violent at the border, which started as a grassroots thing and is now being enabled and supported and even supplied. I mean, they have actual military equipment at the border. So, so the stated, right, their stated goal is to is to end the blockade of Gaza, right? That's their stated goal that they want to open uh, open borders where they can control what's coming in. That Israel controls because of exactly this situation. Israel uh, controls three more or less borders and Egypt one border, um, which is obviously difficult on their economy in many different ways in in terms of their control. That's their stated goal. Yeah, which is um, I think any reasonable a, a viewer would say is not going to happen. I mean that's a. Un- Keeping right. things active at the border is not going to get Israel to allow right. massive military products and, to be shipped into the Gaza Strip. And, yeah. and, and, and they exact We're going to keep up being violent if you don't stop letting us bring in as many right. weapons as we want. So the exact right, it's a bit the of exact a opposite. Logic, yeah, right? it's not a great. Right. And the exact opposite is happens, right? When when things calm down, Israel is much more lenient on opening, opening the borders. How far out fishermen can go into into the dead into the Mediterranean Sea right. to fish, things like that. And so, how much how much products go th- across the border. So either they're remarkably so, stupid correct. and unobservant of what's going on around them, which or, I think is a dangerous assumption, or that stated goal is not their real goal. Right. Or that state goal is not the real goal. And the question is, are they trying to push as far as they can to, for negotiations to help in their side with both Israel, Egypt, and the Palestinian authorities? Right? Are they the rockets pushed it too far. Maybe we can still push and get more leverage through well, this also, without getting as I bad a counter I also think response. this whole thing of the Palestinian Authority is being underplayed as well because that, that internal struggle is also very important. And ultimately, the Palestinian Authority, anytime that uh, Hamas have tried to have some sort of negotiation or, try, or, ha- or received aid from another Arab country, the Palestinian Authority have gone crazy about it. They don't want them receiving that aid. They don't want them having that, some sort I, of truth. That's the point I was trying to right. get so to. I think exactly. it's mostly internal. And I exactly. think that that's important. Now, what the end game there for the Palestinian Authority is, I'm not entirely sure. By the sure, way, not but, just the Palestinian Authority. Even within Gaza, you have to show that you're doing something if you want to stay in charge, right? Yeah. If you don't want people to cut your throat for being a bad leader. Well, you're not supplying electricity. You're not supplying jobs. The economy's. I mean, it's just it's There's a no disaster money. zone. At least now, so I, I may start turning to. If you have all these unemployed people who are miserable, that energy's got to go somewhere. So before you just make that point, or you're going to make the point, I just let's, I just want to sharpen more this idea. The Palestinian Authority and Hamas over a year and a half ago came to a an agreement to join forces again. You and I, Alan, and predicted that, never, that that agreement to join forces wouldn't last. Correct. How did that prediction go, Alan? And we were right. Huh. Wow. And in fact, and I just, you guys I, just are awesome. I just want to make sure that uh, that people are understanding that when we say that there's an internal thing, that the people who are not transferring the funds are the Palestinian Authority. Correct. Right. So, uh, so why, Mike? Why do you think they're doing what they're doing then? And well, I think, I think, I think so much of what goes on in the Palestinian world we look at as why are they doing this to Israel? When I think really so much of what's going on in the Palestinian world is what's going on inside the Palestinian world, and we're right. where you know it's not always about you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 in in their struggles, look, Abbas is doing what he's got to do in the West Bank to hold power. He's nervous about the Hamas Nikim in in the West Bank and keeping them in line. 
and making sure that they're not popular of portraying and portraying Hamas as a danger to the Palestinian people. He's playing his po political games. This hurts. Enormous amount of the money that's supposed to go into Gaza, as you're saying, is being held in the West Bank and they can't get it. So why turn on Israel? Because you can look to your people and say, you see, we're fighting the good fight. You there see, you Abbas is a wimp. All he does is collaborate. He's not a good man. We're good. And we will fight on principle and we stand up for our values. And we're fighting for you and your freedom. And it's easier to turn uh, Hamas people against Israel than it is against Palestinian Authority. Much easier. Uh, I mean, they hate the Palestinian Authority too. Uh, I know, but I'm saying like to get 10,000 young people to storm the fence and yeah. to start fighting against cousins or, or family members as opposed to those evil, horrible soldiers is much easier. Well, yeah, you, to, to take that energy and apply it to Israel is an is a easy venting point. It's a classic uh, you yeah. know, autocratic technique. Mm -hmm. It's basically the last 70 years of the Middle East of how many Arab countries have. Yeah, it's a good thing we don't do that in Israel yeah. and like just say, as long as I'm keeping Iran off you, just keep voting for me because that would be. <laughs> I'm, I'm denoting some sarcasm. Oh, <laughs> there may be that may that may have been sarcastic. Uh, it may also betray the fact that Michael Unterberg doesn't trust governments, which yes. is also why well, I, I don't want the underlying theme here. In this, yeah, uh, that's it. I don't want them calling balls or strikes on speech, right. and I don't want them. And I don't want. I don't. I I believe in democracy because I think governments serve best when they serve the people. Okay. That's my uh, two cents on the issue. Thank you very much. It is a happily large group today. Yeah. It's yeah. been nice. And, this was interesting. And happy Yom Ha'aliyah to oh. everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't do a special Yom Ha'aliyah. Yeah. So oh, good okay. call, Rina. Thank you. Rina is the brains that makes us all end up in the right places. <laughs> exactly. And makes Amen. sure our jobs all work and keeps us in, in touch with the calendar. Yep. Yeah. We all just bump into walls if we weren't for Rina. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so thank you so much, all you guys. Thanks, Thanks, Ben, for being super helpful on a complicated day with complicated schedules. And thank you so much, listeners. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is the part where I remind you that we are the JU Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye.